What's going on, everybody? You've got the Cardboard Coaches here with your boy, Coach Go. And I am the cartel. I am indeed the cartel. Don't be confused. You might see a little bit more neck, but nonetheless, I, I am I am the cartel. Looks a I little, he looks a little different today, doesn't he? And uh, I guess for those of you, for those of you tuning in audibly, um, yeah, he's he's got he's got a little trimness to him. And not only that, but it seems like, man, aren't you a little cold? I feel like it's getting yes. colder here. And Very uh Unlike most people who shave in the summer and, you know, grow the beard out in the winter, maybe for some warmth, it's not the case over here with cartel. And uh, I guess it's, you know, when everyone says left, you go right. That's probably what made you so successful in the hobby. You know what it is? It's a couple things because number one, I, I can still, uh, I can still trust the canopy of the coach co mustache. I can get underneath that for warmth there you go. or I can, you know, create some more opportunities for warmth with all the time I'm saving from the beard maintenance. I'm sure the beard listeners understand what I'm saying when I say that, but you know what, Brendan, I'm also inspired by our guest that we'll be bringing on shortly uh, after we get to some other business. And that is the venerable Yamwax of social media fame. He is a guy who is on the cutting edge of collecting unique items in the hobby world, in the card world, the cardboard world that we love. So I, you know, if, if Yamwax were to collect podcasters, he would collect us, Brendan, because of our very unique facial hair. You know, the beard, everyone's got one these days. That's not interesting to Yamwax. That's like a base prism. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And we are not, the cardboard coaches are not base prism. No, and the cardboard coaches are not base young guns. Kind of, I, maybe. I mean, like young guns are relatively scarce, though, right? Like, I mean, me and you have had this conversation several times. Like, we they did. are technically short printed. It's going like, to be tougher to get a young gun, technically, technically, than a Prism rookie card, right? Because yeah, prism, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you could open like three boxes of like let's say series one and still not get the rookie that you're you're chasing. Yep. But I guarantee you, if you were to rip three prism boxes, you're almost guaranteed to get like a Lamello. Yeah, if you're ripping prism. three hobby prisms, you're going to get a Lamello. I'm pretty I sure if we're, if we're wrong, let us know. But and I'm we're talking straight sure up base, though. Do you know what I mean? So I mean, yeah, yeah. One, in every, one in every four packs, there are no approximate odds of a card with a rookie card logo in Panini products. So yeah. I think what we're saying is correct. I, yeah. So, I mean... I hope I was a little, I, I hope, I wish I was a little more correct on some of the predictions I made. And for those of you who are wondering what we're talking about here, a few episodes back, we decided that we were going to give ourselves a six week timeline to see if we could build a hockey card portfolio based solely off PSA 10s, because if we start getting into BGSs and SGCs, although, you know, we do both own them in our collections, it's kind of hard to track because specifically when it comes to BGS, subgrades have a large impact on the final value of cards and not all nine fives are created equal. Uh, A little more so PSA 10, right? There's no true PSA 10. There's no true plus PSA 10. That's correct. Um, So, we stuck to PSA 10s and we had a $1,000 portfolio. And uh, I'll just read off who I chose in my portfolio, who you chose in your portfolio. And spoiler alert, uh, you know, Cartel came out on top, but not by much. 
And I mean, I, I don't, I'm not upset because you've been in the hockey card market far longer than I have. And uh, I mean, even in terms of like recently, like when I first got back in full force, I jumped into baseball, I jumped into soccer. I, I, I know a lot about hockey. I often win our hockey pools. It's true. <laughs> but, uh, it's true. but I, you know, I try to stay away from the, the, the hockey card collecting until honestly, probably about uh, a year ago. So I, I get it. I stuck with Mitch Marner, Patrick Laine, Sean Monahan, and Artemi Panarin. For Those were all young guns. You yeah, had yeah, yeah, young option. guns, rookie rookie you, card, young guns. You had an option for future watch autos, yeah. autos, but because those are generally more expensive, yeah, you wanted to have a more varied uh, portfolio. Yeah, I which I mean, looking back on it, uh, and based on some of the increases, like I wish we, I mean, you could have just stuck to one card and it been super boring, but you would have been highly yes. profitable. Specifically in your case, it's true. Um, so anyway, my final value from the thousand was $1,170 USD. So we're talking about uh, an 11.7% increase. Now for you, on the other hand, you chose five cards of five different players. Uh, Jack Hughes, Young Gun, um, Huberto, Young Gun, Pedersen, Young Gun, Aho, Young Gun, and Kubalik, Future Watch Autograph. And we knew that the Future Watch autograph, Autograph of Kubalik uh, was going to be a tough one because I think it was like a pop four or something. Yeah, they're, 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 and they wound up no comp, right? Yeah, Which, and, by and, the way, I mean, I, I, and I also got in on it. And remember, we agreed with one another on the pricing. Yeah. So I think I was getting a real steal getting in on that at the price I did, which was 100. Yeah. Which was like 120 bucks or something. And that's I think it was it, it was it, 175, 175. And again, these these this was an eight week period preseason. I mean, yeah. right now, some of the cards we discussed are probably blowing up as we speak. Yeah, but like Panar- Panarin has already increased like significantly in the last like few days. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, and your boy Jack Hughes. I mean, you took Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes had two goals yesterday. There's a lot of hype around him. I don't know. Did you see the overtime winner yesterday? I saw the overtime winner. I saw the Sully. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was a really electric, to be honest. Uh, New Jersey's a fun team to watch. It's something, man. And again. You know, for the hockey market where we were bemoaning the fact that we weren't getting the hot action that was coming in right away with some of the other sports with the performances of the top draft picks. This could be a big uh, reminder to people who maybe are giving up on Laffy. I think people are still stacking him, though. Uh, But definitely this was a wake up call for people who gave up on Jack. I kind of did last year. Um, Wasn't impressed with the team, wasn't impressed with the player. So young. That's a I silly love, man. I, I back that. I back that guy heavy. I uh, I think he's great. I think he's got game breaking ability. Honestly, I don't care if I've I, we look back on this in a few years and I look like an absolute idiot, but he does remind me of Nathan McKinnon. Um, just his, his game breaking speed. He's physical when he wants to be, um, and I think he's got the speed and the handles as well as the shot to really turn it around. And if you look at Nathan McKinnon's career. I think it was year three or four where he really solidified yes. himself as a top player. Before that, yeah. he was maybe 0.6 points per game, maybe a little less. And uh, honestly, I'm sure a few people are scratching their heads as to like how this guy could have been a first overall draft pick or compared to Crosby or any of those things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, fast forward, I think it's been eight years now. And uh, I mean, he's arguably the third, second best player in the league, right? So Jamie Ben was another guy that took a little time to get going. McKinnon is the best example. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and, and li- listen, we're still waiting to see what Nico Heischer can bring. For and we've us. talked about this as well, though, and, and it kind of sucks for collecting hockey cards is that the hottest, the hot rookie card in the set usually don't become Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. Like, honestly, like, and before Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews, I can't remember a player that just jumped into the league and was like dominant in his first season. Like if we look back on even Stamkos was, I think he scored 50 in his like third year, maybe. Uh, It takes a while for these kids. Yes. It's just a different game. Like when you're like 18 years old drafted in the NBA versus the NHL. And I think it has a lot to you know, do with the physicality of it, to be honest. You absolutely. Know I mean? Absolutely. Graduating into that league with bigger players, more, more Completely. advanced players. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Did you, did you get my numbers there? Yeah. You want to hear them? Yeah. Oh, let's my, do yeah. that. I have a comment to make. About yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you finish it off with $1,256 USD. And that's basically registering Kubelik as the same price. That's correct. We had no problem. That's correct. I believe had one sold, it probably would have been in the $300 arena. So it would have been an even bigger. But if you, if you want to feel great, or if you want to make a comment like that, like Sean Monaghan didn't have a sold card between the time we made that podcast. I thought he did. No. Okay. We'll talk about that later. I'm pretty sure he did. I don't, I don't, Um, I'm pretty sure we do. Anyway. But what I was going to say is, look, obviously the gap is not that wide. Uh, it's not like we blew away any sort of, you can, you can, you can register a 30, 40% increase in that same amount of time. Yeah. And it's going to happen during the season with some of the play affecting numbers. But we both look at the end of the day, had we actually been buying these cards, this was just fantasy scenario. Yeah. Had we been buying the cards, we would be up right now. A lot of the players you mentioned are having a good, you know, it's been one, two games, but we expect big things from them. It would still be increasing. And yeah. as a sort of mentor to Coach Co in the collectibles world, I'm proud of the fact that, you know, you could have easily slipped up. You could have, uh, you know, it's people argue kind of hard to slip up in the off season because everyone was kind of speculating on all the typical names. Yeah. I mean, so I you, feel like if you went like Capri, like uh, Kirill, then you, I don't like, I think his value dropped a little bit. If well, I haven't season. checked the market, but there could be the assumption it went down so much during the KHL rumors started to come back up because I know it came back up for sure. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. You could have been blinded by like the absolute hottest names that, that weren't moving much because they were already high. You could yeah. have been blinded by your favorite teams or players and made that a priority instead. Yeah. Now you kind of did with Marner because he's a leaf and you love the Leafs, but the Marner did increase in price. Yeah, um, not as much as I thought it would, to be completely honest. Considering like Matthew is uh, Matthews was injured and uh, right, right, and I, I and I was just and the Leaf documentary came out, and I thought that like after that documentary, people would watch it and realize that like these guys actually want to win, despite what you might think that they're deliberately losing to like like shit on your life or you know what i mean like it's like a a, like a they just don't care that's just not that they're deliberately losing to shit on the life of uh here's a name drop the hockey illuminati yeah oh man on ig frank they just want to drive frank into an early grave because that's the conspiracy he uh he's definitely adamant about how how the team just breaks his heart regularly but like a true leafs fan and as a representative of leafs nation he works through the suffering Oh, it man, you us, have to. It makes us stronger, maybe colder, but stronger people being a Maple Leafs fan. And as far as the Oilers go, we have some of our friends who are Oilers fans. They're just 
broken people, and I have not much more to say than that. Did you, uh, do, fun fact, do you know that Buffalo's 2-0 right now? Uh, fun fact, uh, Craig Anderson and the Sabres are becoming a story. Let's two give it one or, one or two more games. I, I mean, but, they've played Montreal and Montreal's backup. What is his name? Like Mont, Mont, Montembeau? Montembeau? Uh, oh, yeah. And then they also played the Arizona Coyotes. So it's like, it's nothing to write home about. But, uh, but it's, it's something just given on the surface that it's the Sabres. And the fact and that they like offloaded they everyone of basically value in the offseason. Well, listen, it's the like captaincy from, from uh, Eichel. Top players. Didn't let him get his surgery. He's basically sitting in limbo until someone offers something respectable. And uh, yeah. they're 2-0. and I mean, it's not going to last very long. You can mark my words. But, uh, yeah, that's just – the NHL again, season – it's, like, it's not like it's a team completely devoid of talent. It's, you no. know, when you see names like uh, Cousins and Olofsson, I mean, these are – you know, they still have Rasmus Dahlin. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a completely uh, – Craig Anderson's 42 years old, I think. But, man, he always seems to pop up in clutch <laughs> situations good old craig anderson you can't not like the guy you don't have to be a fan of his you don't have to call him great but you can't not like craig anderson if you don't like craig anderson we got a problem here co i think he went on a, a run initially for the colorado avalanche it like was it the abs that that those those seasons that he had um, i think it was like and he, and it was crazy because he was like a 32 year old goalie or something and well and that was went, one of the appeals as well with craig anderson you like stories like that the tim thomas story yeah 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 for sure not traditionally drafted and that sort of thing. Um, Craig Anderson uh, had uh, huge seasons um, with Colorado. He had he had thirty eight wins. He had a huge season in Ottawa where they were going with. Him. Yeah, I, I think they went to the, they went to the Cup final. Listen, the guys played un, an unbelievable amount of years in the NHL. He's got an under three goals against average. Uh, looks to really? me like he's been playing almost twenty years. under. Under three, 2.83 for his career, almost 20 years in the NHL. Craig Anderson? The one and only Craig Anderson. Did you know that he, he had a 1.69 ERA in 2012-2013? A lot of goaltenders had great GAAs that year. But nonetheless, under three, 9.13 save percentage for his I'm career. getting old, bro. We're you learning a lot about Craig Anderson today. I'm getting uh, old, man. Yeah, yeah. 20 yeah. years? Almost 20 years in the NHL. He started, ah. I remember his... 2003, so I would imagine he has a rookie card around the same Young Guns year as Ryan Miller, potentially, I think it was, or Zetterberg, you know, that that design. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Craig Anderson on the cardboard coaches. Uh, this may be, but might have to become a thing. We might have to work him into the logo, potentially. Well, right? I mean, let's, why don't we just get him as a guest next time? Let's call Craig. He's busy you know, at the stop moment. Stop what you're right? doing. Stop what He's you're doing. He's busy at the moment. Maybe in the offseason, <laughs> we can make that happen. I love it. And, uh, you know, from there, look. Pop. Just thrown off today, you know, just. Uh, um, so, you know, hockey is, is, is going to be a twisty turny uh, type of thing going on here. We already see that with this Jack Hughes thing. That's going to be every, uh, all that everyone's going to be talking about for the next little bit. Once the Maple Leafs get out there with Austin Matthews, you and I will probably be a little bit more excited about things. He's due back yeah. when? The next game or? I, uh, I, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a time timetable just yet. Right. I wish right. that'd be nice. And the thing is, coming back from the the wrist is uh, they want to take it slow with him. 
I don't know sure. why he had. I don't know why he had surgery so late in the off season, though. That that's that's my question. Because I think he had surgery in like August. With the chain through the shoulder and the joints is it is a concerning thing. There's a lot of people who are going to write him off a few years ago when this whole thing started to really become an issue. Um, but there is resiliency in sports, man. We saw it with Otani in baseball this year. Um, Matthews is not to be not to be written off at this point. There's. Do there's you this... think that they should let Jack Eichel get that surgery that? has never happened on an athlete and you know knowing people who have had that neck surgery um it's man it is not a light decision it is a life changing life life impacting decision yeah um and and then on the other end you and i are not qualified to even discuss what his doctors are telling him no no for sure for sure but i'm just like on the outside looking in you know some sort of vertebral cleaning or something but again, like the state of medicine and the state of training these days is so advanced. Uh, I'm sure that that's what he's convinced is, is, is can be the thing and the route and to go. And it's a troubling situation, like for both the person involved, aka Eichel, but also like the 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 management, right? Like like right. imagine this is your cornerstone of your franchise, a guy that you've committed like a hundred million dollars to, and. Um, I mean, to have a surgery like that and it goes sideways and yeah, uh, it's, it's a career in the balance. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's an interesting situation. I mean, personally, and again, like, obviously we're not, I'm not educated enough to, to weigh in like on this subject matter, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to go ahead and say that, like, I think you got to let him get the surgery, you know, like. Well, I just, you're, what you're saying is let him get the surgery he wants to do. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, at the end of the day, like he'll be happy. And I mean, whatever that's, that means, you know, but like it, it's just hard. Cause like, he's probably not going to be the same player if he gets the other surgery, but there's a we chance. We, we, we don't know like to what I, degree. That's right. Fair. That's um, fair. But I mean, look, everyone just wants him back on the ice. It's, yeah. It'll be great for his fans, I'm sure, but it'll also be just great for the sport in general because we want the top guys out there. On the ice, we know Jack is one of the top guys. Yeah. And so we want to see him out there. Uh, not just, you know, not people that are holding his rookie cards. It's just, you know, enjoying the sport in general. He's one of the best in the sport. We want to see him out there. Yeah, man. And especially in terms of, like, like passing the guard. Back, like, you know what I mean? Like, like to see one of the prominent young players go down like this it would be a travesty and it would be tough. Right. Which is kind of like, you know, baseball, right? We, we see that repeatedly with the top young stars in baseball having injuries, Kyle Lewis now in the past, Aaron judge Botani, right. We, we missed out on those moments. We missed out on, you know, in some cases like a year of seeing these guys compete. And yeah, uh, and I mean, Acuna, man, imagine if, if the Braves had right. Acuna right now, like right. they're, they're in the next round without him. Like, and it's just crazy to like how talented that team is. You throw in a guy who almost got 40, 40 and by, you know, by 40, 40, I mean, 40 home runs and 40 stolen bases while having a very respectable average. I think it was like 280 or something like, man, that is a game changer. Speaking of game changers, we've got a game changer sitting in the lobby. Let's let him in. We've got here Mr. Yam Wax. Hey, man, welcome to the show. 
What's up, gentlemen? Uh, super excited to be here with the coaches today. Uh, I, I've got a little facial hair going as you know we roll into the grizzly hibernation period, and I wanted to keep up with you guys too. So I love here it. I am. It's funny because at the beginning of the show, we actually were yep. talking about facial hair, and not because like we knew that you had yours rocking, but uh, Cartel just cleaned up his face. And I said, who does that going into the winter months? It's like usually again, the opposite. I, I wanted to create something unique because, Yam, mm -hmm. you are a collector of unique items. Uh, I, I was basically saying, you know, if we were if we were podcasters that you were collecting, you're not going to collect guys with big beards. There's big beards all over the hobby here. So I'm trying to get a little bit more innovative, a little bit more off the beaten path. And, uh, you know, speaking of off the beaten path, the name Yam Wax, I got to know Yam. I've known you for a while. I consider you uh, uh, a... Uh, a, uh, an important member of the, the hobby community, a friend. Where did the name Yamwax come from? Hey, man, I appreciate that too. I appreciate the friendship and, and the opportunity to be here today. So uh, Yamwax, it's not as exotic or interesting really as you'd think. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's helpful to some people if you're trying to think of like what your Instagram handle is going to be. That was really the genesis. Yeah, so right. yeah, I didn't know where to go with it. And I hate to like ever spend more than 10, 20 minutes on a kind of silly decision as like, what's my IG handle going to be? Yeah. So I just made a quick list of like, hobby terms I appreciate and sports terms I appreciate. So yam actually doesn't come from like the vegetable or the fruit or whatever it is. It comes from uh, the the slang to like dunk on somebody. Nice. Uh, which there you I, go. Yeah, it's, it's you know, I just, I love yam yamming on people. I wish I could. <laughs> you're, educating, you're educating the hockey boys with that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, I've actually yeah. never heard that term before. So thank you. Yep. So I just smashed them together and yam wax. I'm like, holy cow, like that sounds kind of funny. Let's go with it. Yeah. And then uh, it was available. It's only six characters. So it's been a lot of fun. And then I used to use my, you know, my, my real name's Corey, but uh, everybody in the hobby just calls me yam. And that's kind of out of that username. I had my real name on there and people just started saying like, Hey, yam. I'm like, I guess I'm yam now. I'll just roll with it. Yeah. Well, there you go. You, and I know for a fact, you've been to uh, some big shows lately. You attended the national and I always wondered about that because, you know, I, I have people in my DMs calling me cartel. I'm cool with it. I'm at that point where I've accepted it. And is that what the vibe was there? Were people just referring to each other as their screen names? I guess that was the. Yeah, the I, I would say that's pretty, pretty close. I mean, there were a few people that, you know, go by a couple of different names. But uh, in general, like I saw Peter Pacman um, the minute I think he walked into the show, we ran into each other and we were like 100 yards apart and he just shouts out yeah across the hall that's awesome <laughs> it was a blast but um you know i, I was recently on uh, or i recently had a chance to interview dr beckett and i right. just felt ridiculous telling him to call me yam so he went by Corey. but nice. you guys can call me yam i think yeah. we're cool like that how how was if there's like a nickname you could apply to dr beckett or something but you know imagine yeah jimmy b that just doesn't yes. work <laughs> not for him not for him no i'm pretty sure pretty jimmy. sure jimmy butler would be upset <laughs> yeah totally kidding. guess well tell us tell us about how your your hobby journey uh, sorry brandon it seemed like you were gonna ask a question maybe that no. was all well yeah i was i was gonna say uh, you know what uh, what drew you to I mean, I don't, I feel like calling them obscure is almost like a derogatory word. Cause like they're <laughs> like, there's a, there's an appreciation for it. You know what I mean? So what, what drew you to, I mean, yeah, we'll call them obscure the for the time. Non-sport yeah, non and stuff. Cards and pieces. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you. Like, um, you know, your care with words there because yeah. um, it, it is one of those things like, oh, is it weird? Like, yeah, I guess some of the stuff is sort of crazy, but you just sort of like, it's one of those paths that you slide down over time, I think. Yeah. Um, and you, you know what? I, I do collect the traditional things as well. My latest mail day was just um, 
some 2003 Topps Chrome uh, gold cards. So, you know, nice. I just picked up uh, not, not, not huge cards, but a Stevie Francis, just because he was so fun to watch with Yao back in the day. Love and it. the gold stuff is Francis. limited numbers to 25, and they're gorgeous cards. So I'm showing them in the camera here. And I picked up a Battier because I appreciated the way he played. Nice. And again, I just, I want, sometimes I just want to get like those cool cards and not necessarily break the bank on yeah. a LeBron that's going to cost me who knows, six, seven, you know, six figures or whatever. Morgan so I just got house. a couple fun. Yeah. But yeah. so like I collect that stuff too. And that's where I really started was with, with NBA cards coming back in with my son and then old school with, you know, baseball collecting Kirby Puckett and everything. Um, but when I came back in, I was just like, Oh, this, you know, that's, I, I love this whole community. It's all for me. It's all about like, you know, being able to create conversations, learn yeah. new things, research. I love all that stuff. And so, um, you know, it started, I think first kind of what they call a zag, like zagging into something new was tennis for me. And that was well over a year ago when you could just pick this stuff up for nothing. And I'm like, well, what else is out there? And then you know, you're just like picking up, um, I don't know what was next, man, but it was always, always like, you know, just sort of the next interesting thing. And what I do is like, so I was, you know, learning at the, at the feed of like great collectors uh, that had podcasts and stuff like uh, Chris from House of Jordans and Josh, yeah. you know, and you guys and then all kinds of different people whose pot content I'm taking in about like how to collect uh, the, the best pieces you can. Uh, one guy I actually take a lot from is a Pokemon guy named uh, SM Pratt. And his whole shtick is uh, older, rare, minter, better uh, is generally what you want to look for. And so yeah. I kind of vibe with that. And so I, you know, as I go into anything new, whether it's tennis or whether it's, uh, you know, an Elon Musk rookie card, yeah. um, I just like, I want to find their first card. I want to find a rare card. I want to find a cool looking card. And it's not always all those things. You're not going to hit on all four cylinders, yeah. but if you can, you know, sometimes even two out of four or three out of four is great. And so I, I love those rookie chases. And um, I, I don't know, man, I just like the form factor of, car, you know, of, uh, of a two and a half by three and a half uh, cardboard piece. Sometimes they're a little off size or being able to slab it up. Um, and I like that form factor, but I love culture and that's kind of what sports is, right? Like sports. Yeah. Um, yeah we're just collect, you know, the, I think about some of my favorite things I've done um, as a basketball fan. It's like going to the NBA draft was an absolute, like incredible that's experience. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I went out there with my 16 year old son at the time. Um, and we, we did a road trip and our ultimate destination was NYC to go to Brooklyn and, and see, we saw Giannis drafted that year, actually physically ran into Giannis in the hallway nice. after is like, who is this Greek guy? I'll probably never hear from him again, Yeah, you know, but, uh, and he was with all his brothers and stuff speaking Greek is pretty awesome. But, um, no, like that was so cool. Cause it's like, it brought together all these NBA fans, but it's all about like, what's going to happen next for these teams. Like, you know, what are my uh, lowly Timberwolves? What are they going to do with their picks? And we didn't take Giannis. We, you know. I don't know who we picked. It was like Gorgie Jang and stuff. But yeah, yeah. I think it yeah. was. Yeah. It's but it's all about that whole the drama, you know, and uh, the culture of it. The culture there was great. Fans from all over the country, uh, all over you know North America cheering for their teams. And so it was, it was a cool place. And then also like the NBA Summer League, uh, when we drafted Carl Anthony Towns, me and a bunch of, a couple of buddies flew out to Vegas and went to Summer League for a few days. And that was like so cool. Again, all the buzz and the culture like around the NBA. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've been, I've been to like conference finals and, and seen Jordan and Kobe play multiple times and stuff like back in the day. Um, but you know, some of my, even those are great, but right up there with those experiences are things like the draft and summer league where it's about the future, the hope, the storylines. Um, and so you take that culture and you apply it to other things that you're interested in. I don't know what I have. I have a Luke Skywalker card in front of me, you know, like, well, yeah, these, yeah. Wonder red, uh, 1977 star cards, like, you know, tops, um, 
is the main chase in that 1977 set, but I don't remember those cards. Like I grew up in a small town where we only had baseball cards and maybe yeah. that's part of what I, gets me into this crazy stuff. Yeah, too, yeah, it? maybe. Yeah, I was We're breaking new ground here. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. oh wait, hold up. I don't want all these just like wood framed baseball cards all the time, yeah. you know? Like, let's that's, what, uh, that's, that's what I'm curious about, Yam. You know, uh, uh, just getting really quick back to Steve Francis, because it's hilarious that you picked up a, a Steve Francis there. Obviously, we're hockey guys. We talked about, look, in Canada, the culture and the power of hockey. I, I'm sure you can imagine it without reading more. And I'm sure as you read more and you hear more, you, you know more about it. But for us, it was hockey was the be all end all. But when I really started getting into the hobby, uh, I, may, I, I bought a random pack of SPX that year, uh, the Steve Francis rookie year, which, correct me if I'm wrong, was uh, 9900. That sounds or, about right. I'm not. And it was a enough. random. It was a random mall show, and and I and I noticed packs were like ten dollars, and I was blown away by the pricing. Nonetheless, I, I took a shot at it, and in that one single pack, I got that Steve Francis on card SPX autograph. I believe it was numbered out of about five hundred. Yeah. And you know the dealer offered me a four figure sum and it really blew my mind. And I was like, there's a lot more going on here than just all these convenience store packs of hockey cards that we're picking up. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that got me, you know, in front of the computer, in front of some books, I became aware of, I'm a big kiss fan. I'm a member of the kiss army. And I start to read about oh. the Donruss cards from, from 78 that I, I oh, wasn't yeah. aware of at that point was, did you have a, a moment like that when it, when it came to the star Wars cards and things like that, where you're like, I just, became aware of these things. They're amazing. I want to learn more about them. And in 2021, I'm going to end up being considered a, a hobby leader in, in that sense. Is there a moment like that? Yeah. Bro. Yeah. What, what is the moment? Like just where it all sort of, I it's, it is like, no man, it's like watching your kids grow up. It's one of those experiences where like, if you were to step away from it, like I'm, I think back to when I was just exclusively collecting hall of fame legends and football, baseball, and basketball, like, you know, 15 months ago and nothing else to right. now where I'm collecting all this, you know, kind of crazy stuff along with some of that stuff. I right. it's, it's like, I would have, it's weird, like zooming out and looking at it, yeah. but like, I can't zoom in on any one moment where I was growing and broadening my horizon. I guess it's just always, um, I felt, you know what? I felt like all through the end of last year and the beginning of this year, it was like every two weeks I was learning about something new. And, uh-huh. um, and I think the hobby was growing too, guys. So like, yeah, if you think about it, Pokemon blew up first, right? Like Pokemon, as far as non-sports stuff goes. Yeah, that's right. That's I think right. it blew yeah. up because of Pokemon Go, you know what I mean? And then that kind mm-hmm. of like brought it back into the fold. And now people are talking about their Pokemon cards. And then there was that massive box break that kind of mm-hmm. everything popped off. I think it's also that nostalgia zone where yeah, you yes. look like that was 20 some years ago. So yeah. the people who collected it as kids and it was super geeky and they're yeah. really quiet about it. Now they're collecting it like out in the open and it's actually yeah. kind of cool. And more and more yeah. people get involved. And it's like logic, Logan Paul and whoever else, Gary V, whoever yeah. it's like, Oh, we can do this. Like, and, and actually talk about it. This yeah, exactly. And then they just dive in like crazy, but and it went like all this stuff. It ends up spiking so much. Um, but, but that like allowed people's imaginations for cards, I think, cause you got sports guys actually buying some Pokemon, you know, maybe just for the flip, but then you're thinking like, oh, well, you know, like characters can be uh, collectible too. And then it was Marvel and then Marvel popped up. I actually thought like the comics were going to blow up before the cards did. So I didn't go that heavy in that, but Marvel went crazy. And then, you know, and then it's like, oh, what else is there? There's Harry Potter cards and there's all these celebrity cards. And I was kind of, you know, I was kind of like, I don't know how I was always like a couple months ahead of that wave. It was just out of curiosity and interest. People have asked me like, how, how do you always like know what's coming next? And I'm like, I haven't answered that question properly, but I've thought about it a little bit the last couple of weeks. And it's, 
it really is like, guys, I, for everything that like I'm early on, um, I have nine other things that I'm hopefully early on, you know, yeah. like some things that will never pop just cause yeah. I'm chasing stuff that I find interesting. You know, like I picked up, a uh, this motto set of 1987. It's a game card set, you know, and there's Steve, Stephen, uh, Stephen King. King's rookie on there. Right. And like a Mr. Ooh. Peanut rookie card, perhaps, you know? So it's like crazy stuff that I just like throw in boxes and I picked these things up sometimes. Like I bet I bought that entire game box for like 40 bucks or something. And it has all these different cards in it. I throw those away. And if like, Hey, someone I, just the other day, actually, someone asked me, Hey, have you heard of a Stephen King rookie? I'm like, you won't believe it, but I actually have one that hasn't even been graded by PSA yet, but they grade the set. And like, you should totally, you know, try to find one of these boxes. And so I'm like, I'm just digging in and finding stuff that, um, you know, may never pop off, but I just kind of like it and um, I'm happy to have it. And if it pops off and I have like two or three of them and I get to sell a couple and, you know, hopefully that kind of breaks me even on all these other crazy zags yeah. that I have going on. And then I have a lot of fun cards and, and mostly I have like a little mini museum that I get to enjoy and share with guys like you. It, it looks like, it looks like an, a, an appreciation for anything that's cardboard in, in, in what we, in, in the frame that we are used yeah. to, right? So you've shown us cards that came out of uh, uh, literally a loaf of bread. You've shown us game cards, which immediately makes me think of those WWF game cards that are now being mm -hmm. traded almost as rookie cards and, and important rustling cards. Right. And even in the case of, I'm, I'm going to get even more specific here, right off of your feed. See, this is the great thing about having Yam. You get to see things on screen, but you can also reference back to his IG page, which is just full of fun stuff. Um, stickers, obviously, because there's a sports crossover and a Pokemon mm -hmm. crossover. And then the fact that uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about those Andre the Giant cards, which are, they're not technically cardboard, right? They've been cut yeah. out of a, a magazine, potentially. Is that what it is or... That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. Let's talk about that and and the game cards and stuff too. But you so just you mentioned stickers quickly, and we've seen some sports cards that suddenly um, are gaining intrigue as perhaps those uh, world a, of soccer. Right? I listen, yeah, from soccer. I grew up. I grew up collecting stickers. Like I'm a diehard soccer fan, yes. and like I played soccer growing up. And I remember every Euro Cup, every World Cup, we'd go to like the local corner store, and we'd buy packs of stickers, and we get like a sticker mm -hmm. album. And most of the times we ripped or we unpeeled the sticker and we stuck it in the book. And if I knew now what I, or if I knew then what I know now, it would be completely <laughs> different and they would just be stuck yeah. somewhere else. But well, uh, things yeah, that we so, don't think to to retain and keep in good condition. Those are the yeah. things that become collectible. On a lot yeah. of these guys, yeah. you know, 100%. so like one of the reasons why really old OG stickers, that Maradona rookie that sold for half a million dollars, yeah. you know, is because no one has it in good condition. That's exactly so rare right. and scarce. Yeah. And, it, and it's first. So yeah, like, and then game cards, uh, we talk about wrestling. I'll talk about Andre in a second, but you know, here's yeah. Stone Cold's uh, rookie by, you know, that, by some people's Is that definition. Argentinian or Italian or something like That's that? That's an Argentinian Argentine. uh, game card. So they come in an entire set of, you know, like 50, 60 cards. Um, that is like a game that you can play that kids played in Argentina, but they're, you know, they come across as like trading cards and, PSA and everyone grades them. Does that predate the Austin in the magazine rookie card? Yeah, it does. So there's an, oh, wow. there's, this is Chromie from 1991. There's also the 1993 magazine card. And some people call that the rookie, but yep. it's a cutout from a magazine. And then you have like 1995 WCW, which would be, I think your first pack pulled card. But then right. the first time he appears as Stone Cold Steve Austin is 1997, uh, we have both Panini and the uh, the other game set, the Cardinal game set. And so like right. some people call that his first appearance rookie or whatever. And I kind of just, I've grabbed all of them now because I, I think yeah, they're all because, really hey, cool. That kind of, that kind of yeah. argument is fun. Everyone's winning and having fun with that kind of yeah. argument, regardless of what the truth or the reality might be, because there may not even be a, 
true quote-unquote rookie card right no and, and with non-sport guys that's what we find so if you look at like the andre the 1970 um 71 um come comes out of a magazine so it's the wrestling annual um it is like paper thin you know but they were they were kind of published on the front as like trading postcards or trading something like you know some sort of uh, collectible thing on the front so there is a collectible um, you, you'd cut them out and then can get them graded now. And in a slab, they look, I mean, they look just like uh, my Gretzky, you know, like it's still a card, they're, they're right? Gorgeous. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's Ooh. our language right there. <laughs> yeah. I, we, we gotta have the greats. Um, I, like I said, I collected the goats and, uh, I've got a little Nathan yeah, McKinnon a, PC. That's a four you're showing off. There? It's a All four right. OPC four. Right on. Nice. I, I've got I've got one in my back pocket. I haven't shown Co yet. We'll uh, do that on a later episode. Uh, uh, I love it. Yeah. Well, well, kind of what's interesting about this is so this is OPC right, and there's a tops version. Yeah. Uh, yes. And, and so if you look at the 1977 Star Wars, uh, there's the tops version, but there's also an OPC which is very very rare. I think there's fewer than 25 total in the pop report as far as the OPC uh, Skywalker. And um, yes. you know, so I, I have one of those too, but, uh, but so the Wonder Bread, um, what I just, to finish that thought, I was, I mentioned like, so I didn't have, uh, have anything but baseball as a kid, but we got Wonder Bread. And in those, you would get, I remember these cards. See, uh, that's that, huge. That's that around. nostalgia, right? That's yeah. like a complete link to your past. There. Yeah. It brings it around. So, okay. So the Andre the Giant, 1971, um, you also have then, I think, 73 or 74 Yamakatsu out of Japan. And some people, right. like, do they count, you know, uh, cards from overseas? I, I don't see why not. But, but if, yeah, of course. So those are uh, actual physical cardboard. And right. then you've got, like, um, of course, the Wrestling All-Stars from the early 80s. And then you don't really get, like, a pack-pulled card, though, until 1987, 85 or 87 of Andre. And when That's you right. have that, that wide disparity when it comes to wrestling or non-sports, I think people kind of trend towards the earliest. You saw that with the rock, like the yeah. Bumblebee Cardinal card. I didn't get that one actually. It didn't make sense to me. I thought it was, hey, it's a fun XRC, but it shouldn't be worth that much money. Um, Cause it's a, a college card. It's a perforated card. It's basically, you know, like a, a food issue. Yeah, it's Bumblebee right. tuna. Yeah. And I had all those things going against it, but it's early and it's relatively scarce. There's only 30 PSA tens. So it popped off, you know, and it's the rock and he's a megastar. And so like, I'm thinking of him as a wrestler. So I want his early wrestling cards, yeah. but the rest yeah. of the market is like, this is a non-sport superstar and he is. Right, right. And so they want his first card. And so like, in the end, I kind of end up trying to gravitate towards first. And the fun part about that is like, it's a challenge, man. Um, you know, a lot of times people think something is someone's first card. Like for a long time, people were, um, start, they were starting to look for Snoop Dogs and they were looking only at the 2013 uh, Panini HRX. But there's yep. a there's a Panini uh, sticker from 1995, from this uh, starting to get popular smash hits set of stickers. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this is so much earlier, you know, like 1995 versus 2013, that's yeah. 18 years. And so are we really going to say like a sticker can't be a rookie card in that case? I think it and is. That's and it's a good looking, it's a good looking photo. It's a good looking piece of memorabilia. Mm -hmm. right. And the and size that, is exactly the same as a trading card. Some of these Panini stickers are small, but this oh, is actually, yeah, that's actually by three and a half. Yeah. Right on. So it's labs we, beautifully. Yeah. We might be going a little rapid fire here, but again, there's keywords involved. You mentioned uh, Yamakatsu, which is that Japanese company. Mm -hmm. Bruce Lee is a big deal. I'm a huge fan. Uh, you make, yeah. I'm into a lot of stuff from, from the seventies, obviously. So you know, Bruce Lee is someone that we're connecting to the sports world rather easily when we talk about the UFC and mixed martial arts. And of course, he's in the entertainment world. He's just an incredible cultural figure. Uh, I believe it was 74 Yamakatsu cards, which would could technically be considered the rookies. But I don't know if your post was, I, I'm pretty sure your post predated mine. 
But the mm. 1966 Green Hornet set includes a lot of Bruce Lee cards. He's portraying Cato. Um, right. I wanted to get your thoughts on that in terms of what might be a Bruce quote unquote rookie card. I was always attracted to the ones where he was performing Kung Fu on the card. <laughs> so those are the ones yeah. I focused on and talking about tough grades, man, anything eight or above is very limited. In, the in all of it. I mean, I, I don't think you can go wrong with a great Bruce Lee card. I saw someone recently post, uh, I generally, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but I saw someone post a Ginter and it was a really cool looking pose just this yeah. week. And I've seen yeah. those, but that's a, that's a really cool card and you can't go wrong with that. I think it's early 2010s. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great card, but <laughs> so, like to me, Ginter and, um, and like standard issues like that, uh, when it comes to non-sport are almost like kind of what prism are to the snobs. Like, oh, that's too easy to come by. It's yeah, like, yeah. there's a million of them. Yeah. It's not hard to find. Yeah. yeah. Give me, give me a Mr. Peanut rookie over like some, you know, I don't know, popular <laughs> Ginter card <laughs> because it's right, just like, right. it's such a better chase once you really get, dive deep into this stuff. Yeah. But yeah. The Ginter stuff can be really cool in that. So that's great for Lee. So the Yamakatsu, uh, I, I mean, I, again, non-sport I'm trending towards first. And I think, you know, the green Hornet was incredibly uh, important in Bruce Lee's introduction to the U.S. That's what made him uh, made America, North America, aware of him. And so uh, there, and there's gorgeous cards of just you know where he's not in the mask. And I think that's what's really starting to get popular. Are these? Oh wow, um, man, you like, just blew my mind. I didn't. I, I wasn't aware of that one. He's not wearing the Cato mask, right? There are three. I think three total cards. This one's you know the yellow, and I just love that splash of uh, know, almost like a kaboom. Gorgeous. It almost yeah. looks like a Kaboom style card, right? With the cutout like that. Yeah. And um, so there's that one. Then there's a couple, I think, that are in green uh, backgrounds. That one where he's like sitting on a chair and one again in a different tuxedo. And those just look, he looks so smooth in those and so young. Um, and just like, you know, the star blowing up on the scene. So to me, like that, that's the coolest. Uh, those are the coolest Bruce Lee cards. The unmasked, the non-mask uh, 66 Green Hornet cards. But those Yamakatsu ones are, are killer. There's also the big um, oversized cards that he has from the 70s. I can't remember the name of those. Uh, anyway, he's, he's got a bunch of cards uh, from a few cards from the 70s. And then I love those 66 Green Hornet. Absolutely, man. I knew you'd have an answer for, uh, you know, what what the true rookie card might might be. Um, yeah. And what, you know, what does that mean really here? Let me show this one right. quick too. This is cool. Like, look at that bomb ass car in the background there. I'm sorry. I don't know if we swear on this, but no, yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah. Go connecting the green Hornet to it's like comic book superhero roots. Yeah. So. Cartoon style. Um, again, it's just another issue from the set. He's wearing the mask and the hat, but it's just such a fantastic uh, comic style shot. Awesome. That is there's, so there's a deep, there's a deep satisfaction. Like, and Co knows this from soccer because you know, one day he's calling me, telling me he's got this, like, you know, uh, this Maradona box from, from that's in Portuguese that's been sitting in like, no, man, it was, it was Argentinian, but yeah, well, like, it's straight, it's, straight from Argentina. I got like, yeah, I got the attack straight from it's Argentina. Written, it's, it's written in Portuguese, don't, you know, right. Mm -hmm. But, but, you know, sitting in someone's wet basement somewhere. Uh, and I, you know, it took me, it literally, and this is going to flow into a question for you, Yam, about specifically that moment where we saw the hobby go through some massive changes the second that we saw this pandemic uh, happen and the lockdowns around the world. But for me, what that was, was time for intense, intensive research. I'm sure it was for you as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a KISS fan, I, I discovered that they actually did have cards previous to the Donner's cards, which were produced by that Dutch company, Monty. And mm -hmm. I went out there and was lucky enough. And, and again, I want you to tell us about a little bit about this because there's a process here. It's just the luck of finding someone who has maybe that one singular PSA nine in the mm -hmm. highest, you know, the highest graded one who doesn't really know what they're sitting on. 
And you're able to get that as a collector. This is something I hopefully will keep for the rest of my life. But I ended up getting, you know, the highest graded Gene Simmons card from that set. And I can sit there as a collector and say, you know, that's Gene's rookie kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah what, what, what did you find? What, what, you know, again, we know it was in social media for sure. Everything changed. I, I wasn't on there before the pandemic. Brendan wasn't on there as a collector. Um, what changed? What, uh, what did you see? What were the biggest changes? What were the biggest impacts of, of that, that moment we had in time where we all gathered? so to speak. The, the biggest change. Wow. I, I do think it was that, um, that just coming together and I, boy, that fed right into what I love about the hobby people coming together and re like researching together. Um, you, you know, loving to share their finds, yeah. share their research. Hey, I'm thinking about this guy. I'm thinking yeah. about that guy. And so it was this explosion. Of, I think all of us, like not only seeking, like we're bored. And so we're going through our closets and stuff, but I think what really glommed us to this hobby are all the, the awesome, um, you know, individuals that comprise it. So we're jumping on IG, uh, like guys like you and I are going back and forth and comments and, and DMs about yes. like, hey, have you seen this card? Have you seen that card? Oh, that card is so killer, man, fire. And then you're asking about something else. And uh, we're in IG groups and, and it was like this incredible vibe of uh, really, really, it's like, there's so many interesting people in the hobby yeah. from all walks of life uh, into have really interesting pursuits. Sometimes things that like you're not even into, but, um, but you appreciate the way that they approach it or just something about what they do. And yeah. so um, I, I think for me, it was like this attraction to community and uh, culture and fun conversations and researching together. And I bet that's kind of what somewhat drove my interest in the non-sport because I love teaching and I love I love finding, but then sharing, you know, like guys, yeah. look what I found yeah. and like throw it out there. And then, and then you're like, no way, I didn't know that existed. And then they're like, did you know this existed? Um, that's a cool thing about uh, doing, having, being known for something too is like, so, yeah. Uh, I, I started to be known for non-sport and then people are coming at me with uh, cards. Oh, man, I've, I've got a Howard Stern rookie of that uh, because I collected wrestling cards and uh, Rob England, the wrestling card king, reached out to me. is like, hey, have you heard about this 1978 Howard Ooh. Stern card that comes out of a Scholastic magazine? And inside Ooh. of it, he's known as Mo Tormouth. I'm like, no freaking way. Are you about... Uh, are you about to show us that or are you able to? Dude, I, I might have to like go digging for it. But yeah, I've got okay. I've got that here somewhere. But anyway, yeah. So people like will send that to you. You're like, that's insane. Let me uh let me let me go try to find that magazine. And and you know, and so that stuff comes back to you too. And then you get the chance to uh, share, you know, to share that experience with other people and you're all kind of like uh, rooting for that card to catch on, not even so much for the money as just yeah. like, it's fun to have a lot of people interested in it. And just to be appreciated, like the way that you appreciate it almost, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and I find, a, and that's one of the cool things that I find about the hobby is, and especially like, I mean, I don't collect obscure, but like, I'm very much into, into stickers of very early stickers of like, of, 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 um, like of soccer players. And, you know, in North America, they're not easy to come by because a yeah. lot of these products were produced in Italy, they were produced in, you know, South America, mm -hmm. um, you know, several different places that are not North America. And so finding it is quite challenging. But when I, I, I stumble upon one, like I immediately want to share it. And sometimes I don't necessarily get one up, but someone's like, hey, like that's, oh, that's an awesome sticker. Did you know there was like this one earlier? Much like you said, like there's yeah. this one earlier and then there's this one earlier. And then I pick up a really cool one and someone else is like, wow, like, I have this one that's like just a year after it. I thought that was the rookie. And there's just so much of an exchange of information. Mm -hmm. um, and and, and it, I guess just because there's no book for any of this, there's no, there's no set guidelines for what we're doing. 
Do you know what I mean? We're literally yeah. just going out there on a, on a, on a vicious treasure hunt, a, a never ending treasure hunt. And it's, right. it's one, would it be helpful to kind of talk about how you might go about searching for a, a rookie? If you want to find the first issue of a card, like where you would start from? Yeah, of course well, you would. Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, I found that's like, you know, that's really important because some people are, you can't be lazy about it. You can't no. just, you can't just ask one person. You can't yeah. just go to eBay and look at the recent solds. Um, yeah, yeah. I was going to say the one thing you don't do is go on eBay and, and put the, and the, type the name rookie. of your target, type and RC. Because you're going yeah. to get people, like prism cards. <laughs> yeah, to, people, to some people, you know, coming from the UFC market, which I love, Every card is a rookie card all of a sudden yeah, yes, when a guy yeah, gets hot. Yeah, yeah. When someone's interested cool. in someone, every card becomes a rookie card. That's So that's what we're not going to do is just mm -hmm. go to eBay yeah. and pump in RC. Yeah. Yeah. I see that over and over and over again. There, there are 18 different rookies and we're not even talking about like they're all from 1997. We're talking about like a 2020 tops, whatever card yes. that got released. They're calling a rookie now. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, you're just, you're doing that for the clickbait, you know, to get, exactly to get people to buy your listing. You're totally right. So, and it, so the other thing you, that I like to do is I, I prefer a card that's gradable. Um, but just because it hasn't been graded doesn't mean that it's not ungradable, right? So usually PSA wants that card to be generally licensed. I think they, you know, they generally like it if people have like paid for the photography. Um, a big thing is that they haven't copied like somebody else's IP, you know, so you can't just take like the Mickey Mantle design from 1952 and put, you know, an Elon Musk on it and call it a real rookie card. I don't think they would like, or a real card, they wouldn't grade that necessarily, right? right? So there's got to be some originality to it, but it's, they're not always like fully licensed, especially as older issued cards anyway. Um, but, but a big thing is, so like, you might start with PSA and say like, has this been graded by PSA yet? And a lot of times it's not, but check to see if the set that it comes from is, cause then you know, for sure you can get it graded. Like if they're already grading other cards from that set, then you can, yeah. but like, That's so as a default, you can't just go like, look up Elon Musk on, uh, you know, PSA's pop report because he might not be there if his card from that set hasn't been graded yet. I feel um, like it's a really so, interesting point. I'm sorry to cut you off because yeah, like, you're completely, you're right. You know, and, and I, I guess, I mean, part of the collectability is, is, you know, at least in modern times, having them in slabs or, and especially to preserve value. And the, like a lot of these products weren't made to last, you know what I mean? Like they're like very flimsy cardboard, like, or like you said, out of a magazine. So like putting that mm -hmm. into, you know, a safe case as soon as possible is like a top priority. And I, and I guess it never really occurred to me that like they wouldn't be graded in some cases. Have you had an instance where like it wasn't graded? If something's not licensed, correct me if I'm wrong, Yam. So I, I started catching on to this when I noticed that those basketball prism stickers were getting graded. Um, I didn't realize they were actually, they are licensed because yeah. I had similar Marvel stickers that came out of vending machines literally when I was a kid and I still have them. Mm -hmm. Those were not licensed. So I don't think PSA grades those, but the basketball ones were gradable. So it really yeah. boils down to if it is an actual licensed piece of merchandise, right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, and, and so I look back at the 19, so the 1990, 90 or 91 wrap pack cards has like an ice cube in there. Um, I dismissed those for a long time. I didn't buy those because I, because they are, I think they are custom cards. I don't think anyone had the rights to make those cards, but mm -hmm. you know, that he made an original design. He wasn't copying, copying anyone else's design. They weren't putting logos on there or anything like that. I just don't think they had the rights from like the rappers themselves. But right. at some point, someone at PSA said, ah, good enough. And they started grading them and like, well, that kind of legitimized the card. 
And so um, a, a lot of people talk about the value of grading and I believe in all that stuff. Like I, I believe in grading. Um, yeah. It authenticates, uh, it provides some feedback on the quality of your card. And I, and I, and I just like the, the appeal, the look of a, a graded card. But to me, a big thing when it, with grading companies that other people don't think about is it legitimizes a card. And it doesn't have to be just PSA. I'd say it could be uh, BGS can kind of grade everything. So I am still a little hesitant if only BGS is grading a card. Yeah. But PSA and SGC seem to take the licensing stuff a little, PSA especially, but SGC even takes it a little seriously. Um, so if PSA and BGS and SGC all grade it, done deal. Like it's a legitimate card and you know potentially could have a claim to a rookie card if it was the first one. But yeah, yeah again, um, so if, if let's say nobody grades it yet, nobody even grades that set yet. I've had experiences with that where I've helped get sets graded um, like uh, the uh, 1997 Pokemon set, Tommy Scratch Cards is a big thing I collect. It's a really rare Pokemon set. Um, but I, I helped in the process along with Nick Sapero, uh, my buddy helped me get that graded. And that really helped like legitimize this, that set in the Pokemon world. But um, if you, so if you can't find a set though, that's graded or gradable, um, or not, you don't know if it's gradable yet, but, but you want to find the early cards. I go to places like trading card database, TCDB. That's yes. again, not foolproof, but TCDB, uh, it might be .org.com. Um, they, they have users submit sets and cards. And so a lot of stuff is in there that people aren't aware of, like, uh, you know, like a 2003, um, Beyonce I found through that. I was only aware of her 2007, uh, swimsuit cards, but she has a 2003, um, smash hits card. Yep. And so then I ended up picking up sets of these uh, and buying 2003 Beyonce cards because I found it on TCDB. I'm like, holy cow, there's an earlier Beyonce. Um, and so you can find gems there. But then again, that's not the end all be all because they might have everything. And again, so look at eBay solds, sometimes even just do like blind Google searches, like, yeah. you know, Beyonce cards. And like, so I scour everything and I'm having conversations with other people. I might ping other people like, hey, have you heard of, a, you know, any earlier Kurt Cobain cards? And and so you have to like do all kinds of digging and even still you might not be, you know, you might, might be foolproof. Some card might come out of the woodwork that you weren't aware of. Yeah, it's, it's tcdb.com. I mentioned okay. it a few episodes ago on our podcast. Um, it helped me a lot with looking at European uh, issues of hockey players like Vladislav Trechak. I did notice that, funny enough, it's on some of the more modern stuff. I was also using it for UFC. They're not on top of it, but I, I'd imagine it's a continuing process for those guys, but I think with the oddball stuff and the non-sports, I think they're they're pretty good. TCDB.com yeah. is, is definitely one of them. Almost think of it like Wikipedia, where they're gonna, you know, the the hive knowledge is gonna provide a lot of insight. They won't yeah. always get it right, but yeah. it's pretty good. Um, there you go. It's the, the hive knowledge. That's a good way of. Uh, that's a great way of putting it. Speaking of the hive knowledge and the hive mentality, and uh, what can come from that uh, is the fact that you know we see so many different crossovers and collectibles. Talking about Andre, just because I'm a huge Andre fan, and like I, I don't think I've popped. I don't, do you watch wrestling, Yam? Are you? Are you? You are a wrestling fan, I would imagine. That's a yeah. I, I watched it. I mean, I'm a kid of the '80s, so I watched it. Like of course we all did, and like religion in the '80s. I watched some of the Attitude Era, um, and I occasionally dip in. Like I'm, I'm really liking AEW right now, so I've sure. I'll, I'll watch usually like the replays a couple days later. Right. Well, I'm a, I'm a big Pura Resu fan. There's great things going on with New Japan wrestling, but if you're into, <laughs> if you do wind up into that, AEW is kind of trying to play off of that and has that as an influence so there is no shortage of options for wrestling fans these days but uh that i popped huge for the andre uh posting because it was just like they're just so they're stunning even though they're even though they're cut out of a magazine they're really stunning and they they appeal to the cardboard collector mentality um mm -hmm. i just picked up the reaction andre the giant figure where he's kind of pictured like he is in your card 
not like with the black strap that we traditionally remember him from from WrestleMania three, but yeah, the big hair, the the uh, the vest, and it comes with a Molson Canadian can of beer. <laughs> no way. That's yeah, awesome. which I was going to ask you if you because man, that that would be something great to get yam wax because. You know, I, I, we haven't even touched on the yam drops yet. I was a lucky recipient <laughs> of, of a type of a yam drop, but that'd be a great thing to get you um, because like the beer yeah. can is like to scale and stuff. It's really amazing. Where, Maybe where at an going? event sometime. I'd hate to have you ship it. I know how expensive it can be to go back and forth. Yeah, from Canada? Uh, no, action? <laughs> Listen, whatever. Listen, about- I just want to... Oh, there you go. No, no, no. Let's show us that Bendem. Figures. Yeah, the Rocky Maivia uh, Bendem yes. 1997 like And on the back, there's a card that you can cut out. Oh, and boy. Like cartoon style. So that's another entrant into the, you know, the the Rocks rookie cards. Yes. That is really, that is Rocky Maivia. That is the totally. first incarnation, right? It is. Yeah, Rocky Maivia. Um, he, yeah, it was, it was a combination of, I think, his dad's name and his grandfather's name. Um, that he combined and so really cool that's where he first got his start out there and i don't think he was um necessarily everybody's favorite at the time but i I like genesis i like origin stories man. yeah oh yeah that's part of how cool it is they brought him in in such a a cutesy baby face that the fans kind of turned on him but thankfully there was enough creative energy in the wwf at that point where they realized how to turn that around and Mm. give him a bit more personality and he had the personality himself to own it, obviously. Yes, and they, the rest they basically turned, they, they allowed the valve to turn on, on what he had. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when talking about the, the reaction figures and all the assorted merchandise we see with these guys, um, other physical assets, other physical collectibles, Yam, how do you feel about the emerging, I mean, I call them emerging, but they've already emerged, the markets of uh, video games and VHS. Is that something that you've been following? Uh, yeah, just, it, it is a little bit um, when it really when uh, I was fortunate to see pretty early on uh, Darren Ravel show off, um, I think it was a Tecmo Bowl or a punch out game. And mm-hmm. that just like I was like, oh, my, my body lit up with nostalgia because hanging out, sitting on terrible carpeted floors in a basement with my buddies trying to beat, you know, Tyson, trying to beat Bald Bull, um, you know, try, you know, being Bo Jackson and the Tecmo stuff. So I, I went on a little bit of a spree buying um, complete inbox games. Cause like to me, just as a collector that spoke to me, I didn't need to get them sealed. Yeah. I did the same thing. I, yeah. If it's complete, that was good enough. I, I like, I mean, I, I get it. I think they display really, really well, those sealed ones and I actually kind of get, it. I know some people are against it and like, it, it doesn't all have to be cards collect what you like, man. Um, yeah. And I, and those do speak to me. I could see it being a great collecting angle. I was already pretty deep into cards, so I didn't really zag into that like as an investment or anything, but I picked up a ton of those games, the old Nintendo ice hockey, which is so fun. You can be yep. the, you know, the big guys, the little guys, the in-between yeah. guys, try to pick your team, right? It was just like, brought me back. So um, I what really enjoyed- Blades of Steel? How about Blades of Steel? That was a big yeah. one for us. Oh, the intro of the music, like it still rings in my ears, right? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, so I, I like it. Um, I, and I think, I think video games has legs and isn't going away for a long time because um, people have incredible nostalgia for it. And we're going to be in that zone for a while. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to be in 50 years, but for the next 20 years, I think it's pretty legitimate. The VHS that um, I'm a lot less sure of that. As soon as I saw it, I'm like, man, I hated the experience of VHS. It wasn't the best media <laughs> option at the time. It was just chosen because it was like the most economically viable. Uh, there were there were better solutions uh, like Betamax and a lot of stuff that never caught on. But um, it was just a bad experience. Like the stuff always was like breaking. You had to yeah. rewind it. Yeah. You know, you know, drop it off. Like 
I, I look at VHS as sort of like, you know, goodwill trash, but one man's trash is another one's treasure. So I, I'm not going to put it against people to like want to collect that first issue of Top Gun or whatever else. Um, yeah. I do think, I do think like vinyl and cassette stuff for the right collectors is really interesting. I've kind of looked yeah. into it, but I haven't gone down that path myself, but uh, especially cassettes, like I've just, you know, you made the mixtapes for your, you know, your, your love interests in high school. Uh, you know, you're trying to like dub stuff off the radio back in the day and like those cassettes that you'd have to go and like spend so much money on it. Sam Goody, you know, 20 bucks to buy a, a little cassette or whatever. Like those things were gold to us as kids, as teenagers. And um, I think there's a lot of nostalgia around that. So if anyone ever grades cassette tapes, I think that's a, a really interesting angle. Yeah, it's kind of the intersection of nostalgia and the fact that we seem to want to put everything in a slab of plastic these days. <laughs> I mean, I, totally. I've been collecting, I, I myself, I, I, I chuckle at what you mentioned about the VHS conundrum of actually using it and going through that, that whole process. But like when it came to certain genres, like the, the horror movie genre, there's mm -hmm. like so much for me, there's so much nostalgia being in the basement. You're not supposed to be watching this movie. <laughs> it's an incredibly obscure movie from Italy. It's terrible. There's tons of blood and, and, and naked women. And <laughs> nostalgia kind of rings true to me. I don't know where people are going to be finding sealed copies of that stuff because that stuff is incredibly rare to begin with. I have tapes on my shelf that have been in demand for a long time, but they're certainly not okay. sealed. Um, you see that in wrestling too, that there's been demand for those old wrestling tapes, even the ones that aren't oh, sealed yeah. because people want to watch those old matches. Um, yeah. And I was going to mention some of the, a lot of the Coliseum re releases, uh, Yam have mm -hmm. uh, plenty of cards and inserts in them. Yeah. Um, that, that are probably worth a look uh, when people are looking at VHS. Yeah, well. those are cool. Um, but, the So you may have inspired me because as you were talking about that, the experience of like watching things you weren't supposed to do, the earliest, uh, earliest memory of something like that I have is like, I got to watch Commando at a sleepover at a buddy's house and I knew my parents yeah. would have never let me watch never Commando. Approved, yeah. And I think the, the movie also probably had the first, you know, uh, on-screen woman girl to steal my heart at the time Alyssa Milano you know she's about the same uh -huh. age as me at the time like oh that is a very very cute girl so that brings <laughs> back the nostalgia for sure man uh, no doubt about things, it right powerful emotions that are that are yeah. I think are, are part of our yeah big part of our uh, you know coming up as kids and and people for sure I think I think I'm sorry to like like interrupt both of you but I think to like to tie it into like I mean eight cartel mentioned that uh we kind of want to put everything into like plastic into a plastic case. I just think, you know, as we start to define this space, this collectible space, and I mean, really solidify it as art. I mean, pictures are truly only really appreciated behind like plastic or, you know, like a frame or like you want, it's beautiful and, and you want to preserve that, you know, like museums, we've created museums where everything is behind like thick plastic and you can't touch it or you can't interrupt it. And, and it's just, it's like legacy, it's art. It tells stories just by looking at it. Right. And I, and I think mm -hmm. that we have a lot of these feelings towards, you know, things that we experienced growing up or, you know, just like both of the situations that, that you, you've, uh, you know, described each of you. And so, you know, it's really putting that behind a piece of plastic gives yeah. it, like the the love and care it, it deserves and it just kind of like puts it to bed for a little bit until you're ready to talk about it again I don't know. you know <laughs> a little bit of gravitas feet. yeah yeah just like it tucks it in at night the, the yam wrong feed. plastic gravitas yes. <laughs> it, the yam wax feed gives respectability to some of these uh collectibles like the star wars you know loaf of bread quote unquote <laughs> cards 
may not have had the respectability that they're uh, garnering in a, you know, I always talk about, I really like the PSA case. Remember Brendan, a couple of weeks ago, it, it leaked out that I work for PSA, which is yeah. Yeah. not true. <laughs> not true at all. But I like, I, I like the simplicity. The, it, there is something very professional and it, it mm-hmm. speaks to like filing and, uh, um, you know, and, 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 uh, it's, it's, it just kind of lends a, a respectability to a collectible that maybe didn't have that previously. I think so, that's important for sure. And you talk about, um, art and wanting things to be displayed. So, um, and we can go to the NFT route. I, I think we won't touch that today necessarily, well, but maybe not today. you know, you talk about things wanting to be in inside of plastic. Well, these guys don't even have them physically. Right. So it's a yeah. different story, but, but people, um, him blowing up as an NFT artist allowed me to discover his art and I actually really enjoy it. So I've been trying to collect a lot of his, you know, I'm not, I'm, uh, I haven't at that point done anything with any digital cards or NFTs or anything. And, but I, but I like physical items. And I, so I started looking for some of his physical art, things that he's created. He's kind of, he was kind of a commercial artist before uh, he was known as a digital artist. So he would do things like um, create album covers for Imagine Dragons and, and all kinds of other, but lots of like little bands and stuff so and different cool. bands. And there's a nineties band called Zayo that was like um, heavy metal core kind of stuff. Um, I, I wasn't a big fan of them at the time, to be honest, but but I love the album art that he made for their their album. And so I, I collected some of their pieces and they made some very limited runs of things that he had designed album covers for. So this is a, a oh, wow. sealed cassette tape. They only released a hundred of them. So it's numbered 93 out of a hundred. That looks so much like Beeple art. It's crazy. That, that looks That's, like an Apple, that looks like an Beeple, Apple 2B monitor. Or like it, yeah, it is. And so Beeple designed that for their album cover, ended up using it in his everydays, the the piece that he sold for $69 million. So one of the prints in there. Wow. And it's like... Th- it's so cool. And I found like they did all these cool, like limited release variations. They did a CD out of 500. And I picked up a couple of those. Um, they did a vinyl album and I picked up some of those. And then I picked up one of these cassette tapes, which I think is just a gem. But Man, they getting also getting made... on Beeple stuff is absolute genius though. Like it's, yeah. it's a smart. So I don't know if you can see what this is. It's a NES cartridge. We got some reflection yeah. on there. Yeah. Um, wow. That's a numbered out of 100 NES cartridge that they made for their album. And I'm actually sending this off to Wada. Wada's going to grade it for me. Uh, numbered 88 out of 100. Um, wow. So that's a Beeple designed album on a NES cartridge from this like 90s metal band Zayo. Uh, I think it's just like a super cool relic of, of physical representation of Beeple's art. And I'd love to like this whole, I've now have the full set of the albums that they're the album variations they released in all these different formats. And I could totally see like bundling this up and sending it off to a museum to put out as like yeah. a modern art Beeple display. Yeah. There's, there's going to be people that identify and even have nostalgia with that sort of thing. In the early OOs, um, there were certain kind of fringe genres of music. I don't know if either of you guys have heard of Wolf Eyes, for example, that would produce these limited amounts. They, they wanted to specifically use older, um, not, not like completely unusable media, but they, their preferred method was cassettes and they'd number them. And uh, it's interesting, just for me as, as the old man, uh, you know, I call myself the old man. Uh, having seen all these trends that they're kind of coming back and now they're even reinforced by like new artists, by NFTs. And man, mm-hmm. that's good news because if people can then identify and go back to something they enjoyed 10, 20 years ago, that means it's a strong, healthy market. So yeah, you, you do believe that because uh, a lot of people, they question Top Shot, they question early mm-hmm. NFTs. You believe that these are markets that do have legs. Uh, yeah, I believe that, especially some of the earliest projects do. Yeah. You know, um, I, 
I don't, I haven't bought a single uh, NFT, but I've, I've played around with creating. I created NFTs to pair with uh, the first 50 Elon Musk rookie cards that I'd graded. Um, they're the first 50 ever graded. Um, and I've got one here. I'll show you. So yeah, I, I made NFTs and I just gave those out because I didn't want it to ever be seen as a cash grab or anything. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was just experimenting. Nice. I wanted to play with the format, learn by doing. That's kind of my, yeah. my MO. And, and so I, I, you know, sent them out and gave them to people in the hobby. Um, yes, and so that, it's from that 2019 top trumps and numbered them out of 50. And then I created an NFT with the exact same number. So the 26th minted NFT matched the 26th ever wow. graded Elon Musk rookie and put those out in the world. And it was like really good learnings, fun uh, way to, you know, to do it, to learn about NFTs. And, you know, yeah. I continue to try to work on some other things, but uh, as I explore the space, like you learn about, boy, there's some uh, early things created like, um, Back in 2014, the very first like NFT ever considered created was something called Quantum, and that sold I don't know eight months ago for like 1.4 million. I'd have to yeah. think it's worth a lot more, and I have yeah. to think like it's always going to be worth something because it's the first. That's exactly. And it. some of these big pieces will be, but yeah. not all of them. Most of these things are going to go to zero. 100. Yeah, I love that you you documented all that too. The the whole thing with the Elon Musk's was very well documented. There was a lot of like. Um, reciprocal feedback uh, and, and just like instant feedback from the people that you were sending those out to. And it just mm -hmm. got out there. That was, that was brilliant in my opinion, because you were getting it out to, um, you know, well-respected, well-liked people on, on Instagram, for example, or other social media that would, so it was all very well documented. Yeah, it worked out that way because it was just all people who, who had helped me so much through the pandemic. I'd either learned from, they created platforms that allow us to communicate on. And then I gave a few out to just like really, you know, I thought great collectors, people that are more private, but um, so they went out to a mix of people. But yeah, I did provide that feedback. And what I really wanted to get in the ether was just like, hey, like, how are we going to think this is going to apply to our market? Like, how are, is it really going to pulse line? I don't think it's going to all switch over. No. Um, I don't think it's always going to be one or the other. I think we're going to see some kind of merger in time. And I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, let's say, fanatics does do grading that yeah. they might grade a card and as they grade it they issue you an nft with your graded slab so uh, you might yeah. never have your physical slab because then they just vault it but you yeah. have your nft and you can trade it you know transfer ownership to another person within the vault by selling your nft yeah it seems like that's it really does seem like that's where they're going in terms yeah. of grouping everything now speaking yeah. of which am i want to throw this out, out out there cartel style some might say you are such a positive individual um, you know, like there is no controversy when I think of Yamwax. I think when I think of Yamwax, I think of a wonderful feed where you're not posting very often. When you do, it's something significant. Uh, you're when you're doing other stuff, it's generally very positive. People are getting free things from you uh, and really appreciating what you do. I, I certainly can't wait. There's so many people I can't wait to meet that I have become friends with on Instagram. Uh, a little tougher as Canadians, but it'll happen. It'll 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 get there eventually. Definitely. Obviously as the hobby has grown, obviously, as social media has grown, uh, there are some good apples, there are some bad apples. Uh, I don't even want to particularly talk about um, something like fanatics, which at the end of the day, I don't even want to give too much of an opinion until I see what they have to offer. We're still a few years yeah. away from that. 100%. And I don't want to have any preconceived notions that getting in the way or, or anything like that. But we've certainly seen particularly in the last half a year, we've seen a lot of controversy in the hobby. Um, Hobby positivity, which I just mentioned, I associate you with, is an important thing because when you have hobby positivity, it's, it's gaining trust and attention from collectors. I do see that some of the methods that some of the bad actors, in my opinion, use is glomming on to something that's positive, glomming on to the work of content creators that mm. is positive and trying to kind of sneak in that way. 
Um, what's your overall opinion when it comes to, uh, I'm trying to do this in a diplomatic way that does not uh, point the finger at anyone in particular, but we know that there have been uh, companies in this hobby that are, they're doing their best. They're, they've changed things up. They're trying to do something useful for the hobby, but there are also companies where we found that there have been some not so great stuff going yeah. on. Now, if you want to throw it out there, that's fine. I don't, I, I don't expect that. Or anything. <laughs> but how do you feel about, you know, the fact that, you know, one of these days, you know, one of these companies that may have been accused of something might come to Yamwax and say, Yam, you're a great guy. We want to do something with you. Yeah, um, it's interesting stuff. Well, first of all, I'll say I haven't partnered with anyone ever in this industry. Yeah. You know, I'm completely independent. I always have been. Um, you know, you got this too, man. Like you start talking about PSA a lot and people are like, oh, like what are they paying you under the table? Yeah, SGC, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. no, yeah, I just created with SGC because I, I want to get my cards back. You yeah. know, like yes, exactly. Yeah. some of these cards I can't spend 300 bucks on. And, you know, and so you have your opinions on things. And, um, but your question about that is like, it is hard for, you know, sometimes like some people say, um, it's easy to just be positive, but I find it's hard sometimes, man, because there are things I don't agree with or people I don't necessarily always vibe with. And some people you just have to sort of cut off. But yeah. um, but I, I like I'm here for a hobby. I'm here to have fun, you know, and I don't really want to dwell on our differences and try to find that commonality, try to find the, the glimmer of hope. And so um, I, I do think that there are bad actors and I, and I really, really appreciate folks, I, you know, cartel, I see you um, taking completely honest takes. And I think that's really, really important in the hobby. You know, obviously card porn, sometimes, you know, we wonder about motivations, but I, I, I really appreciate them. I actually love what they do. Yeah. Um, and all those who kind of call out uh, bad behavior so we can assess for ourselves, but I wouldn't always take those, those things as gospel. And, uh, and I'm someone that likes to kind of see where it goes. So, um, you know, a company makes a mistake or, or there's, whether it's PWCC or alt or, uh, something comes up at PSA or HGA, like, let's, let's see what happens next. You know, like, let's see how they respond. How do they respond as a company? Right. Um, who do they hire? Who do they let go? What do they look like next year? You know, if we looked at SGC a year, uh, just over a year ago, summer of last year, they got a ton of volume. They talked, a, they talked a big game and they didn't really deliver. They got backed up worse than PSA at the time. Right. But they kept going, you know, and I give them a ton of credit for that. You know, the company yeah. just kept uh, becoming yeah. more, more professional hiring, doing it the right way, bringing people on. And then now they're like, they're a machine. And, um, and I think they're doing really big things. And I think they are, you know, trying to make a run at that. I don't know about the number two spot to really solidify themselves as a number three grader, maybe, you know, depending yeah. on how BGS does, yeah. they can make a, they can make a position as number two. No one's coming after PSA, but, but because of the way they operated, um, they went through, I think a lot of uh, hobby criticism but they just kept going and they did the right things. And I think we can see other companies do that. So I'm like, not quick to judge everybody. I, I sure. don't want to be, an, you know, I'm just, I'm here to have fun guys. Like it's a hobby. Yeah. It's important. I, I, again, everybody has a role. That's not my role to be like the guy critical in private conversations. Sure. We bring up like our concerns, yeah. but we all have to figure this stuff out ourselves. Yeah. I guess right. I, I sometimes look at it from the perspective, I, maybe, and maybe this is an issue I have with my own mind, but I always look at it through the perspective. And, and look, Cardboard Coach is an example of that. I, I don't want to relegate uh, Coach Code to just being, you know, a quote unquote new collector, but he is, although he mm -hmm. has an appreciation for the sports in yeah. question and everything else. I wanted to make sure he had a good introduction to the hobby. And I, I feel like it's almost a responsibility for the people that have been around to mm -hmm. have a degree of protection for newbies and i guess you know while we have yam wax on here we might have some eyes on us i guess i'm trying to explain myself in that sense that i do get passionate and i do you know get some takes out there um because of that fact that i want 
I, let's put it this way. I want people like you, Yamwax, to, you know, prosper. And I'm not telling you what to do with the influence that you have, but you represent this good side of the hobby that I want everyone to, to experience um, yeah. versus the fact that, you know, with the amount of money, because that's the one thing maybe we didn't touch on when we were talking about that change with the lockdown and the pandemic is, man, all of our stuff suddenly became worth a lot more and is now more expensive to obtain to for people because believe mm-hmm. me i think there's more people yamax that are going to see your feed and become interested in this than even minor coach co's because we just got hockey and baseball and what they're seeing and i think like yours is a funnel a bit more for people and i want this i want people off the beaten path to see your feed and say man this is there's some really cool stuff going on in the quote-unquote cardboard world and in a yeah. way and in many ways i want those people protected you know what I mean? I want them to have the best experience. So sometimes yeah. I, I do spew some negativity and I might take some heat for it, but it's negativity coming from a place where I want people to have the best experience. Cartel, know? I always feel like you're always authentic. You know, you might get heated and, and we see that. And I, I've even yeah. seen you like take a breath. Definitely. Like, okay, they got 100%. a little intense guys, <laughs> but, but seriously, like this is not right or whatever. Like you're, you're, you're telling, you're, you're sharing what you see and that's really, yeah. really important. And I think a lot of us, many unnamed people will say they appreciate your takes on things, man. And just like throwing, creating the conversation. And, um, but guys like me who are, you know, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not the hobby police, but look who I'm giving flowers to, you know, like, look who, look who I'm sharing, who I'm supporting, um, and who I'm not. And that's kind of how you can sometimes yeah. tell or send me a DM and, you know, we can talk through if, if you're concerned about something. I, yeah. Again, I'll always yes. throw it out there. Like, here's, here's what I know. Here's what I know. I don't really know. None of us really know what's going on inside of these yeah. companies. Yeah. But I love um, that. yeah, yeah, you're you're saying a lot sometimes by not saying anything. And certainly, we can see. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it's it's that extra layer of taking a look, but you can kind of see connections and you can see what people are uh, are into, quote unquote, and not into by by taking a look. And it's hard. It's hard sometimes too. Cause like, I want to be, I'm, I'm just super positive. People will reach out to me and I'll be like, I'm celebrating what they do. And then someone reaches out to you and they're like, Hey, this guy has, yeah. you know, there's some, there's some background on this person you should know. And I appreciate people sharing that, but, and, and then it's like, well, what do you do? Like, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm probably not going to be there like, you know, cheering on his comments anymore, but I'm not going to be like flaming the person yeah. yet either. And let the, let the hobby figure it out. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely. But, we need each other, that, man. We need each other out here. Yeah, exactly, man. It's yeah. everyone's everyone's just trying to help each other. I mean, most of us are trying to help each other, you know. Like, uh, uh, we all just want to be uh, the same community that we talked about that brought us together. The the community that every time I introduce a new person to who's collected something at some point is like, wow, I there's so much positivity here. One of my good friends, um, you know, recently got. Uh, given his dad's old boxing cards so like kyo cards and he's uh he's going oh. through them all and he's checking ebay comps and... he is loving them loving them absolutely okay. loving regardless them. of value regardless of who's doesn't watching, give a loving. shit what what the value is he's like man this is like this is unbelievable for me you know what i mean like this is just cool. crazy yeah and um he's like he's almost far gone his initial instagram account which was like instagram was often associated with like uh, you know, just like fake, like fake stuff, you know, like people are fake, happy, things are highly edited. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's all about portraying like something that you're not. And totally. it, you just like now on like the, 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 the card and collectible side of Instagram. And he's like, dude, I've never been like so many people who I don't even know are so supportive and they like DM me and they're like, Oh my God, that's an amazing card. And it's like, I think a $2 card, but like people are just so interested and they want to have conversations and uh, he's just really enamored by it. And, and just seeing 
like the feedback that he's getting as like a new collector in the space that really doesn't know much about the space uh, from, you know, some people that have been in the hobby for quite some time and the stuff that he's posting is not very valuable, but to him it is. And it just really shows me that like this community, you know, as much as there are bad actors and there's like things that happen on a daily basis. I mean, anything this big, there's going to be like crap, you know, like there's going to be things that we don't approve of, but ultimately Mm -hmm. Like we got something really good here. We have like just uh, for the most part, a community of people who just want the best for each other. And we lift each other up and we celebrate big sales and we celebrate yeah. card art and different, just different things. And, I, and that's the one thing that I can't say a lot of hobbies have. And, and a lot of, I'm so humbled have. to follow. Sorry. I'm so humbled to follow your last guest name, man. That guy is a mensch. Unbelievable. His hobby right? collecting, getting into indigenous uh, hockey cards and the communities, the players, families he's supporting, like um, what a, incredible, there's incredible people out there like that. There's yeah. guys like name who we know about and there's others that we don't that just keep doing this stuff. And so it is exactly. so generous and um, but yeah, however you collect. And that's so like, it's another interesting thing is like, we all do it differently and appreciate different things. Uh, uh, we, I have friends that are into non-sports cards that love like the really vintage stuff, you know, and that, and that's some of that is the bigger stuff. If we're talking like, Mar- you know, Marilyn Monroe cards or like uh, uh, the Beatles and Muhammad Ali have a great card. There's um, Frank Sinatra. There's all these old, and there's like things like three stooges. That's not necessarily for me. Like I'm into non-sport for nostalgia quite a bit for the most part, but other people like vibe with that, with that stuff. And I think that's really cool. Um, but you know, just, we all kind of reach out and support each other, even if it's not uh, our angle that we're approaching. And like a friend of mine really got into um, some of that, some of the vintage stuff. And and then sometimes that stuff speaks to you, like not everything, but yeah. one vintage card that spoke to me was the 1959 Ray Charles, so cool. um, the new card. I mean, he's just like, he is like, Ray Charles is so cool. Yeah. And it's such a great shot. Yeah. Uh, this is a black and white 59 copy. And I just picked, you know, this popped up on eBay. Uh, I had an alert set up. I, I didn't want to go big because it's not necessarily my thing, but the vintage stuff as much, but it was like 25 bucks for a 59, a little bit oversized card, but it's just gorgeous. Yeah. Super excited and, and to have it. It's awesome. That reminds me of, it looks, it's the same design and, and, and I think same dimensions as the 1923, 24 William Patterson hockey cards. And as soon as you put that up, I made that connection and the photography is absolutely, every card you've shown us, like what an amazing shot that was. Yeah. Um, amazing. I, I love great photography on cards for sure, man. So, you know, and, and so it's just this intersectionality of everything that we've just been loving on. And I just have, I, I have one last question, you know, so, yeah. and, and it's, I, I forgot to touch on the, I love the fact that you touched on card art in some of your recent posts, Donnie B mm-hmm. collectibles, uh, card killer. There's so many more. I like, here's, I'm always afraid. I think the card carver put up a post where you, he asked people to name their favorite artists. And I started tagging and I was like, I can't do this without totally. tagging 25 guys that I all yeah. really respect. And I yeah. want cards from Optimus Vaults, all these guys. Right. I saw that you uh, that you got in on that. That and that I think that kind of relates to what you just showed us with the cassettes. They're, they're handmade projects, DIY projects. They're art. They are mm-hmm. so appreciative of all the elements we talked about. But the last question, uh, I went off on a bit of a rant there, but nonetheless, people can check your page out there. I love the fact that you're representing it as well. I love that subsection of the community. They're great guys. What are you looking at right now, Yam? With it? you don't have to give away any secrets. You don't have to give it away. <laughs> but like, what are you looking at right now? What's Yam? What's on the top of his mind? What does he need? Is there a card that is killing him? Got to get it. Ooh, you know, um, I of course like the ultimate zag is to go back to sports. Yeah. So it's uh, after going to the national. Yeah. And unfortunately, it was the same card that I think blew away everybody. Uh, were were those like uh, the PMG, the precious metal gems? Yeah. 
right. general. So whether it's, I don't have to pick up the nineties ones necessarily, but looking at uh, other, other avenues to pick up PMGs, whether it's um, Marvel or, or different things, yeah. you know, I'll continue to look for, for those. I'll hopefully like get to a point uh, income wise where I could get a really nice uh, basketball one. Cause that's my, my heart. Um, but also like those 2003, uh, finest tops finest that I showed earlier, like those really caught my eye at the national too. So it's kind of picking up, um, what I think is coveted cards. Um, but it doesn't have to be superstars. You know, yeah. it can be your, your Shane Battier's and Steve Francis's and stuff like, cause I think the set collectors are going to go after some of those big sets. The ones that really catch your eye that are beautiful and will retain that I think interest due to the art for years to come, but have those hobby elements that people like, whether it's golds, limited numbers, um, and just heralded sets. And so, you know, I might pick up a Bobby Jackson PMG at some point, and even nice. that's going to cost me a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. But, um, but I'd love to have just like an example of a, of a really stunning PMG. Um, and so it's, it's some of that that I'm going for, um, you know, speaking, you know, the, the card artists uh, are doing great things and, uh, I, I can't really share a lot on it yet, but I have actually been working on, um, an NFT project that is just ridiculous. And it's like silly and fun. Another thing that I'm going to will mostly be like free and, and kind of a fun distribution method, but it awesome. involves some card art and, and stuff too. And it's very hobby oriented. That's and so awesome. I think I, I've been having a lot of fun, just like learning how to do like a large, larger scale NFT project and, um, creating like a lot of art around it. So I feel like, uh, you know, just a great connection to those guys that are creating art in the hobby. Um, and I, and when I was at national meeting guys like Donnie B and card killer, and even, you know, Peter Pacman and, um, yeah. those guys are like, they're artists too. Right. And so oh, like, they're so, so good, such good people, but so authentic, you know, you're getting, yeah. you're getting real, real from those guys. Yeah. And, um, it was incredible. Hang on and meet like Blake Jamison and, um, um, uh, a couple other people there too. Like the artists are, are fantastic people. They're really in it for like, they're, they're pulling the nostalgia out of themselves, putting it onto cards, whether they're recreating existing cards or kind of creating their own designs. Either way, man, I, I think I have much respect to all the creators and then the creators that uh, actually made the cards, like guys like Carvin, uh, Gene uh, and Earl uh, from Arenas Design, uh, like these yeah, OG that's, that's, incredible yeah. artists. I have yeah. mad respect. We're yes. learning about that. Yes. Yeah. Total, 100%. Unbelievable. Yeah, I love it. And when it comes to the PMGs, yeah, maybe that will be the connection. Because I, the, the guys I knew who were into that years ago, the Jeremy Lees, the uh, who I, I, you may have been on his show already, actually, Jeremy Lee. Um, uh, Penguins yeah. Pirates uh, is another guy. These guys were ahead of the game when it came to hockey. Maybe that will be the thing that gets you into hockey, possibly. <laughs> we are loving the PMGs and Speaking hockey. of hockey, I had no idea. Are you from Minnesota? I'm from Minnesota. Yeah. Dude, I, I randomly decided to wear oh. a Minnesota Wild jersey. <laughs> I swear. Yes, I had no idea. Before the podcast even happened, the cartel was like, it. what kind of, what jersey are you wearing right now? I was like, a Minnesota Wild jersey. And he's like, why? <laughs> And I'm like, I just felt like putting it on. I don't know. Like, I just hey. like, I let him know. I, I bought the, the inaugural jersey years ago. That's so funny. Show us that jersey. Get that jersey on screen. Yeah, yeah I saw it. The... There you go. You know, it's like, the oh, Christmas that's a great one. jersey. I love it. It's, it is good design. The Miku, yeah. Koi, the wild Koi are Koi huge. Oh, Koivu, sweet. Like, yeah. the only way you could top it would be to have like a Dino Cicerelli from the North Stars. I <laughs> would love one. I actually just <laughs> picked up his rookie card. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do have, um, I, I did kind of venture a little bit into hockey and have learned a little bit about thanks to Jeremy Lee. He kind of inspired me to go out and pick up a few pieces. So I, uh, I have a small PC of Nathan McKinnon. Um, I do have a PMG, but it's not, it's not the, like the main, it's not the first year PMG. It's the one with like the blasty kind of stars on them or whatever. Right. Yeah. And then a, a jambalaya. And so like, I did think it was sweet yeah. that there are those FLIR inserts in, in hockey. Um, 
but yeah, I, I'm going to continue to pursue that and, and learn a little bit more here and there. The one thing I really thought was cool about hockey, but feels like under the radar is of course the cup is the premier RPA. Yeah. But yeah. The exquisite. Well, it's not a secret anymore. Yes. 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 It is true. Like I, you know, I put a post out there a while ago where I'm like, Hey, other sports guys, we've been collecting gorgeous autographed patch, low numbered cards for a while now here in the, mm -hmm. in the hockey uh, hobby since 2005. Uh, maybe yeah. even earlier for certain subsets, but uh, they're gorgeous, man. But yeah, yeah. you were saying exquisite gets no love, eh? It's yeah, crazy, exquisite. man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's the premier premier card of you know post post fifth post sixties uh, sports cards. You know that yeah. two thousand three exquisite through 09? like that's yeah. the premier RPA, and yeah. it exists like almost secretly inside of what is it upper deck ice? Yeah, that you can pull those out of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So sick, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I maybe have to collect some more of those. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. And, uh, and you've got something in, in common with Nat Turner. I just want to throw out there, Yam Wax. You guys both referred to OPC as OPC. I know you also said OPC, but for hardcore hockey collectors, we, we grin a little bit when we hear OPC. You can tell that we didn't speak it on the regular, that we read yeah, it in price yeah. guides more than we yeah, said we it. Uh, I, I, I let so. you off the hook for it, but he had to, you know, <laughs> he had to. Yeah. It's, you know, those things that you like say in your head more than you've said in, yes. in it, out of your actual voice, because you've read through like the old yeah. bucket and tough stuff price guides. It's yeah. like, Oh, here's the OPC. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah technically yeah. technically yeah. you guys are right. But again, yeah. to us, to us all, our, our old hockey heads, we, we, we chuckle a little. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll, I'll let you off the hook. Uh, thanks brothers. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to thank you so much for not only, you know, coming on and giving us this episode, but sharing your stories, your experiences. And, uh, you know, as Cartel said, just continuing to spread like positivity in the hobby, uh, not necessarily to mask what's going on otherwise, but just like to see the, the, the betterness in it. Um, you know, it's just, uh, we do definitely need people like you and trailblazers, people who aren't afraid to post something that is, you know, might, might, raise some eyebrows or people might scoff at you know what i mean like i mean in, in a way yeah. it is really inspirational to post something that you know, might not be received the way that you receive it do you know what i mean and uh so i just want to thank you not only for doing that but also coming on the show and giving us one hell of an episode man Thanks so much, <laughs> Thanks. it's been really fun to, to chat with you guys and i will say like if you have cards that you're afraid to throw out there when I do, there's always people, I always find people who are either already collecting it or inspired to, you know, kind of dig into it or something similar. And right. so there's, there's no shame, man, no shame in the game. Share, share what you think is kind of interesting and um, you'll find that there's more people into it than you'd think there were. And so guys, this has been a blast uh, chatting and I'm really glad, Absolutely. you know, to meet you, the coaches and of course already new cartel, but um, look forward to any, anybody that ever has any questions, um, don't never be afraid to DM me. If I miss it, shoot me another message. Cause, um, sometimes you get a bunch of, uh, spam in the inbox yes. and the like second, third folders yeah. that Instagram gives you. So I, I, I can't say I've caught everyone, but I try to respond to everybody. You're all three approachable men. And, uh, absolutely. Yam is a very approachable guy and, uh, totally. very helpful team. Don't Thanks forget so to follow Yamwax on Instagram. They will Got be it. in the description. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Coach Go, out. Peace. Later, guys.